Welcome, 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 geeks and nerds, girls and boys, to a brand new edition of Geek to Me Radio. Today, we are joined by writer Vita Ayala talking about their new project from SerialBox.com. Jessica Jones, playing with fire, will then be speaking with composer Paul Leonard Morgan about his work on Tales from the Loop. Stand by. We're talking TV, comics and movies, and video games. And if you are streaming us out there in the world, thank you very much for finding us. If you're hearing us after the fact in the podcast form on Google Play, iTunes, SoundCloud, Podomatic, iHeartRadio, wherever you get your podcast from, we appreciate your finding us there, subscribing us. Leave us a nice review, a nice five-star review on those. That always helps our visibility in the search engines, and it just makes us feel warm and fuzzy. If you would do that for us, we'd greatly appreciate it. We have a full show, two guests, no waiting, so we're going to dive right in. We're joined now by writer Vita Ayala talking about their new work on Marvel's Jessica Jones playing with fire from SerialBox.com. Vita, how are you? I am doing great today. Uh, it is sunny in New York. There are birds chirping outside. I can see the outside. And so, you know, that's pretty good. Yeah, sunny is nice. We've had uh, kind of overcast weather here for the past week. And it's almost like the entire city is just sad. <laughs> I'm glad it's sunny somewhere. <laughs> Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. So you're very busy as a writer. Uh, some of your work includes uh, creator-owned stuff like The Wilds for Black Mass Studio, uh, Submerged from Vault, and then mainstream stuff. Supergirl, Suicide Squad, Wonder Woman from DC. You've worked on Nebula, Ghost Spider, Morbius Living Vampire from Marvel, Livewire from Valiant. But I'm very excited about this project because I loved Marvel's Jessica Jones on Netflix. It was probably my favorite of the Defenders series that they put out. And now you're writing on this. So my question first off is, when do you find time to sleep? <laughs> I don't know what that is. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm from New York City, and the city never sleeps, and that's, true. that's just how we roll. <laughs> but what an exciting project, because it, it's, it's, uh, I love the Netflix series. I loved the Alias comic book uh, when it was, obviously, the character first introduced. But when you were assigned to take on this particular task, is this someone, or is, I should say, is this a project that you were sought out for because of your previous work, or did you petition to kind of want to do this one? I was uh, asked to to come on board, uh, and I, it would just so happen that I definitely would have absolutely sought it out if I knew that was an option. Yeah. Uh, I really love Jessica Jones across the board. I just, I love the character. I love the various, you know, places she's appeared in media right down to the, the Marvel ultimate line. video game. Yeah. Yeah. Huge fan of that. She's great. I love a hard boiled hero and I really enjoy, you know, the way that she is able to walk that line and, and, you know, we just 
we just buy it. <laughs> and uh, the way that Kristen Ritter played her was uh, very compelling. Like I said, I think out of all the series, as much as I, I'm a huge Daredevil fan, I think Jessica Jones was actually more of my favorite than even that one. And then having them all come together in Defenders. So when SerialBox.com announced that they would be doing this audio drama, I was beyond thrilled to see Jessica Jones come in. So when you're brought in for the writing on this, did they give you any specific, like, we don't want this to be a continuation of the Netflix series, nor from the Alias comic, this is its separate thing? Kind of where, creatively, did they give you the room to start with this project from Serial Box? I think the the most important thing kind of going in is that we understood that this was, because it was a new format, this was a new, it wasn't a new interpretation of the character, but we had wiggle room to play, so we weren't as beholden to the continuity of, you know, specific comics or of the television series, gotcha. uh, which was really awesome. Um, but from there, I mean, we, we went ham. They just put us in a room together and we just went absolutely bananas. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's such a fun character to write, but while it's a fun character, you also have to obviously toe that line because she is a dark character. She's suffered trauma. Um, as much as she makes light of it, there's a lot of layers to Jessica Jones. So I can imagine writing her while fun must also present its own set of challenges. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think part of what made me connect with the character in general was a kind of understanding of parts of her trauma. I've, I've always connected with characters like her uh, for that reason. And so it was not too much retreading of things that I had gone through so much as being able to connect even more with the you know, with the story and, and with the character because of, of that connection that I had with her. And SerialBox.com has done such a great job. We've already had Thor Metal Gods, uh, Black Widow, yeah. Bad Blood, and now Marvel Jessica Jones playing with Fire, which is uh, available April 28th. The first three episodes drop on SerialBox.com. I'm kind of wondering at this point, and maybe you can't speak to it, and I understand if you can't, but if we are going to get, because it was such a popular thing on Netflix and with the Marvel Cinematic Universe, if we will get some kind of a joint venture between the characters that are being released in their one-off stories from Serial Box, I think that'd be great. I think I think you meant May 28th, by the way. <laughs> what did I say? You said April. Did Listen, yeah, it's, time it's, has no meaning. <laughs> wibbly wobbly, <laughs> timey wimey. Yeah, it's, <laughs> absolutely. It is bizarre. Yes, May twenty eighth. Thank you for that. Yes, <laughs> from um, I. If I had spoilers to give, I'd be bursting to give them. I, I don't know. I, I think that whatever they decide to do, if they decide to do some sort of cohesive thing with all of the with all the characters they've been playing with, that would be absolutely incredible. And if not, then we just get to re-listen to you know Thor and and Black Widow and Jessica Jones. <laughs> right, which is not but a bad place it's really to be. really cool. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And For sure. I love, I love that kind of stuff. I don't know, man. I, you know, I'm 35 now. I grew up in the 80s and 90s. And uh, I love, I've always loved crossover stuff. So I wouldn't be, like, I think it would be really cool. But, you know. Yeah, I mean, ever since uh, DC did Crisis on Infinite Earths, I think people have just clamored for those crossovers. It's been, uh, <laughs> we've seen it time and time again that people love it, especially like you've worked for Valiant Comics when they did their big crossover event uh, back in the 90s. Oh, yeah. that, would, that, that stuff like that was huge. So yeah, I can't imagine uh, them not wanting to do something like that to play into these characters more since I know the uh, the numbers on Thor Metal Gods were great. I don't think I've gotten to see what uh, how Black Widow's been doing, but I can only assume it's doing really well too since people were kind of wanting to see that movie that was supposed to be released and yeah. then kind of got pushed back. At least we have this. Uh, so it's great yeah. that 
all this stuff is happening. We live in such an amazing time where this technology is bringing all this great stuff to us. And for someone like you to be involved in these things, it's got to be a dream come true for a writer. Oh, absolutely. This is, I, I couldn't, I can't even express how incredible it is. I, I also just happen to be like a really big fan of, of kind of an audio storytelling format. Like I love audiobooks, I yeah. love radio plays, all that kind of stuff. And so to be able to be involved in, in this project with these characters that I love is is really awesome. And all the other writing you've done, uh, comic book wise, like we mentioned Suicide Squad, which I'm a huge Suicide Squad fan, going back to the John Ostrander series in the 80s, but Supergirl, Wonder Woman, uh, Xenia Warrior Princess from Dynamite, and then over to the Marvel stuff, you've written Nebula, Ghost Spider, Morbius Living Vampire, and among others for Marvel. When you're writing a character, you know, you're coming in, some of these characters have been around for, in Wonder Woman's case, you know, it just celebrated her 80th birthday. Uh, it's, it's an amazing legacy. Are you ever daunted when you're given a certain character to write as opposed to someone who hasn't been around as long, like say Xena warrior princess, where you're doing that for dynamite, where do you kind of, uh, gain your inspiration from when you take on a character, be it one that's been around for 80 years or one that's been around for 20 or so? I, I do as much research as I can. Um, but I think for me, the first thing I do before I even approach, kind of what the story will be is try and find the core of the character as I see it. Like mm. what to me is the central the core of these characters. And so, you know, on the face of it, I've definitely been intimidated, right? Because writing Wonder Woman is that's not only 80 years of history, but millions of people loving sure. this person. Yeah. <laughs> right. I grew up with like Wonder Woman stuff in my house. Like that's like, that's <laughs> real. Um, and so I can't think about it in that way because it gets, it's too stressful. What I do is I, I try and think about the things that I think are central to the character and also that I love about the character and then try and build a story uh, that makes sense in a contemporary context, but based on those things. And then the creator own side of things, I think, again, it's an amazing time we're living in because creator own books are really doing well at this particular time. There's Kickstarters and GoFundMe stuff for the people are just throwing money at because they the indie stuff in some ways is oftentimes more quality than some of the larger it's kind of like the same with movies small indie movies sometimes do better than huge box office uh expecting bashes from universal when you're doing creator own things like the wilds and like submerged that's got to be i guess a little bit more freeing for you because these are your characters you're kind of coming up with the concept but then there's also the double-edged sword of all the onus is on you. So kind of talk about working on your own creator own projects, if you would. Yeah, absolutely. I, I really love uh, for license stuff, like having limitations because you can really figure out how to, you know, rework the same pieces in different ways. But with creator own stuff, one of the things that I love to do just in general is, is world build. I love that kind yeah. of stuff. When yeah. I was a kid, I would just read like RPG, like manuals, but all the like, all the supplemental stuff. <laughs> I was like, yeah, 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 the rules, whatever. But what does the world look like? And what are the people that live there look like? And, you know, all that kind of stuff. And so that's kind of how I approach something like the wild. Submerged was always going to be a smaller story um, because it, you know, it was, uh, it was my kind of interpretation of a classical Greek myth. And so I was like, this, this has a beginning and end. Um, and so I didn't need to build out the world as much, but with things like the wild. Yeah. I, I thought about everything. I love that kind of stuff. I love thinking about like slang and language, thinking about like clothing, like what makes sense, thinking about, you know, uh, relationships between groups of people. Um, and I usually 
before I start writing that stuff, I have that all written down. Like uh, before I write any of the scripts, like I, I figured out a lot of the structure and things will change as you go because sure. that's the fun of writing, right? Like you, you're exploring and discovering. Um, but I love to give like, I love to give a good solid foundation and, and what's great about comics, which I, one of the things I really love about that medium is that it's a collaborative process. So I'm not coming up with it all by myself. Um, especially with creator owned work, I am working very closely with my co-creators and being not yeah. only going like, does this make sense to you? But all right, what do you, what do you see when you think about this? Uh, for the wilds, Emily Pearson and I, you know, when we first started talking, I was like, what do you want to draw? <laughs> like, you know <laughs> what I mean? Like, how do I, and she was like, cute girls, nature and mutants. And I was like, all right, let's do this. <laughs> let's figure this out. There's a the checklist. Um, we'll start from there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you know what? It's a great checklist. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Who doesn't like those things? And uh, we're talking with Vita Ayala all about their work on Marvel. Jessica Jones playing with fire from serialbox.com. May 28th is uh, when the first three episodes drop. You can get the whole season for $9.99, which is a bargain for the type of product that Serialbox puts out. Um, as I was looking you up, Sci-Fi Wire did a great interview on you. And I love one of the quotes you talked about going in and demanding, not demanding, but you kind of said, hey, I want this job at this one comic book store near you. And the, the quote from Sci-Fi Wire was, knowing what they bring to a situation and presenting that worth without hesitation or qualification has become quite the contributing factor in their continued success. That makes sense when you read it, but I feel like a lot of people don't understand that. So how early on did you particularly get it that, yeah, I am worth this and I do bring these qualifications? Uh, how long did it take you to build that level of self-worth that most people should have, but seems like not a lot of, not everyone does. We're going to take our first break, come back and continue our chat with writer Vita Ayala. So stand by. Hi, I'm Bex Taylor-Klaus from Voltron. I play Pidge and you're listening to Geek to Me Radio. Welcome back to geek to me Radio. I am your host, James Enstall. We're talking with writer Vita Ayala about their work on the new SerialBox.com audiobook, Jessica Jones, Playing with Fire. These have been great so far. The Thor Metal Gods, the Black Widow, Bad Blood, and now Jessica Jones, which we discussed with Vita, uh, which is a favorite of mine on the Netflix series. I was so sad to see it get canceled. So while we're chatting with Vita, we talked to them a little bit about uh, owning their own worth. I don't think I have. <laughs> I honestly, I mean, I got, a, you know, every time I make a big push, I just uh, I get angry. And what I have learned to do is think, all right, you're in a situation. Pretend it's not you. Pretend it's someone that you care about. How would you, how would you go about navigating that like what would you tell them to do and i try and follow that advice i have a notoriously terrible self-esteem so i can't rely on that that's not my foundation my foundation is you know i'm willing to fight for my friends and so i should figure out how to treat myself like a friend <laughs> if that makes sense or the project you're pitching is your friend and you're pushing the project i guess exactly exactly um i think that you know it's something that it's important to figure out your self-worth because everyone is worthy. Uh, and, you know, that's a lifelong process. So I hope to continue along on that process. But for right now, it's kind of a fake it till you make it. <laughs> that's nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that at all. 
And talking about Make It, like I said, you, you've been very successful. You've had a lot of great opportunities and you've written some great stories with a lot of great characters. Where is there, uh, I guess, where do you see yourself wanting to ultimately be? Is there a character for which you're dying to write that you haven't yet been given the opportunity, but it's like, this is my dream character? Or is it just, are you taking it as they come, these projects, and just enjoying the ride? That's a really good question. Um, there are characters that I, you know, would absolutely love to write, uh, and I've been blessed to be able to write them. <laughs> Uh, you know, I would do it again if you wanted me to write more Xena, I would absolutely write more Xena. And every time I'm afforded the opportunity to write, uh, you know, Wonder Woman has been an absolute joy. I think for me, it's more like I want to work with as many people as possible. I love collaborating. I love creating. And so my goal is to be able to work with more of my friends and put out good books with them. Um, and I take projects, you know, license work, especially as it comes, because I think that in almost every case, there is something that I can bring to the project that hasn't been put there before, just because I think everyone has their own unique perspective. Um, and I think that is fun to explore. And working on Marvel's Jessica Jones, you're working with a few other writers. The collaboration on a project like this between several people, obviously it's quite a bit different from I'm the writer on this particular book uh, and you're working with an artist or something like that. So the audiobook series different task uh, with a different set of circumstances. And I assume it might, it uh, its own particular set of challenges. What has been the most challenging for you about working on uh, Jessica Jones playing with fire from cereal box? Uh, we're, we're in different time zones. <laughs> oh, well, yeah, that's one <laughs> hurdle. We, you know, we, that it, it makes the difference, right? Um, we have to, we have to collaborate pretty closely because, you know, it's not one person writing all of their stuff and then the next person takes over. We're all kind of intermingled. And we also all contributed to each other's chapters as well. Like this was an incredibly collaborative project. It was, it was an incredible writer's room experience. And so, you know, we have to constantly touch base. And so it's a little hard <laughs> when someone lives in South Africa and right. another person lives on the West coast <laughs> and then I'm on the East coast. Um, but it's, as much of a challenge as it is, I, I loved it. I, I would do it again. And then we were talking with uh, the writer, one of the writers from Thor, Metal Gods, and I presented this question, so I'll present it to you as well because I think it's fun. Let's say you, they come, to, they come to you and they say, Vita, we want you to pick a Marvel character and you will be the person to write this next SerialBox.com adventure. What Marvel character do you choose? Ooh. Uh, well... Having having worked on Nebula, I would probably say Nebula because I fell in love with her and she's 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 a pill and I love it. <laughs> it's a great character, especially I come from the comic world and then seeing how Karen Gillan portrayed her in the MCU so good. was not what I expected, but I loved it. Uh, what yeah. she did with it and the, the direction James Gunn gave her with that. Uh, have you had a chance to meet Karen? No, that that would be a dream. Uh, I would absolutely love to meet her and say thank you. Yeah, I mean, she's she's incredible. And it really brought the, I mean, no pun intended, brought the character to life uh, for <laughs> us in, in ways that I didn't expect, but it's fantastic. And now with Marvel's Jessica Jones playing with fire from Cereal Box, uh, we've got that coming down the pike. What else are you working on? What can people look for your work? Uh, well, now that comics are starting to slowly come back out, uh, Today, actually, uh, I had two books come out, and one digitally and one in stores. Uh, I was lucky enough to co-write uh, 
a two-part story for Ironheart with one of my best friends in the whole world, uh, Danny Lore. So Ironheart 2020 number one is, is just come out. Um, and Livewire volume three just dropped uh, in stores, which is really awesome. I got to work with Tana Ford and Kelly Fitzpatrick and a bunch of really great people. Um, and then future stuff. Uh, well, uh, I am co-writing James Bond with Danny Lore. Really? So you can look forward to that. Oh yeah. Very nice. That's I think those the the life that James Bond has been given in comic books has been really phenomenal to see some of these uh, these works that are put out here in the past couple of years. I just love them. I, I had a lot of fun doing my homework to write that series just because, you know, Warren Ellis and Greg Pak and, and, you know, Ben Percy and a bunch of people have worked on it that have been absolutely incredible. So, yeah. Very cool. And where can people find you online if they want to keep up with you, uh, see more of your work, et cetera? I am uh, on Twitter way, way too much. Uh, my handle is at definitely Vita. Uh, and I apologize in advance. <laughs> All right. And uh, that's, again, very exciting to know we're going to get more of Jessica Jones. I was heartbroken when Netflix announced the show's cancellation. So now we get it in audio form from Serial Box. And if Metal Gods from uh, the Thor stories and Black Widow, Bad Blood, or any indication Marvel's Jessica Jones playing with fire will be outstanding. Vita Ayala, thank you so much for your time today. Have a great rest of the day. Be safe. Thank you. You as well. Thank you for having me on. Of course. My thanks once again to Vita Ayala. Uh, Make sure you support them. Make sure you get their comic books that are out, the ones that they mentioned, and make sure you get the chance. You subscribe to SerialBox.com. Check out Jessica Jones playing with fire. We're going to take our next break. Come back. Talking with composer Paul Leonard Morgan, so stand by. Hi guys, it's Emily Swallow. I have two things to tell you, one of which is, this is the way. And you are listening to geek to me Radio. Welcome back to geek to me Radio, as Sylvester McCoy says. Uh, we would like to make sure that you're aware of our premier sponsor, the City of St. Charles, the Greater St. Charles Convention and Visitors Bureau DiscoverStCharles.com is that website. Discover ST Charles. Saints is abbreviated. DiscoverSTCharles.com. Uh, COVID-19 has affected everyone. A lot of small businesses are suffering. A lot of small businesses have gone under. St. Charles has done a great job of helping those small businesses. And I know all the people in the greater St. Charles, St. Louis area have done a great job of coming out and helping to support small businesses where they can be at curbside pickup at Magpies, uh, trying to, you know, uh, pre-order things online from some of the shops and everything like that on Main Street and in the greater St. Charles area. If you go to the website, discoverstcharles.com, they've got a banner at the top for COVID-19 updates where you can check to get local business updates, uh, business resources, how you can help and just kind of keep up with everything. It's a, it's a liquid situation. It changes literally, it feels like hour by hour, day by day. And we appreciate everyone who has helped and who has supported the small businesses, especially in and around St. Charles. And we're all getting ready. We're, we're wanting to get out from under this. Things are opening back up. We want to do it safely, of course, uh, with the common sense precautions. And the city of St. Charles is ready to have you come in. We're already, we're already gearing up to talk about Legends and Lanterns, which hopefully will go off. It might have to be modified uh, in the fall, but we're very excited for the first big festival coming up in the city of St. Charles. You can learn more about the festival, 
uh, the local businesses, how you can support them. If you're maybe wanting to travel once the travel is allowed again, uh, a lot of businesses are geared up for that. Hotels, bed and breakfasts, things will be changing, of course, but they will be open and uh, accommodating and ready to welcome you in. Get all the information at discoverstcharles.com. That's discoverstcharles.com, as we always say, for an historically good time. We are going to go right to my next guest. Right now, we're joined by award-winning composer Paul Leonard Morgan talking about his work on the new Amazon sci-fi series, Tales from the Loop. Paul, how are you? I am good. Thank you very much for having me in lockdown, where I'm still in my studio and have been throughout the last four weeks. <laughs> well, I guess uh, as a composer, I guess there are worse places to be than in your studio. Yeah, it's true. The studio is a guest house at the back of the house that's so converted. And um, yeah, so normally us composers kind of do 20 hour days anyway. So to be honest, I haven't really been out that much recently, except for the, the kids seem to be at home now. So I think they're being homeschooled. <laughs> <laughs> and a lot of kids are. Yeah, I know my wife teaches at uh, university here in St. Louis, and they're doing all online classes. Uh, the kids have been sent home. It's We're living in unprecedented times, my friend. Completely. So about the only plus point to any of this without being flippant is that everybody will be watching Tales of the Loop on the 3rd of April because there's nothing else to do. Exactly right. Yeah, there is uh, there is the plus side that all these streaming services that have their shows already finished and in the can as it were uh they've got a very captive audience so that, that will definitely be a plus yeah it, it is crazy i mean it's only the last two episodes of basically the series and I, it got me thinking you know all of these series aren't going to have any cliffhangers they're just going to stop and that's going to be it for the series. And you know that everybody's going to tweet and go like, what the heck was that? And it's like, give, give us a break. We didn't quite get a chance to finish it. <laughs> but come back next season and we'll start all over again. Exactly. Yeah, there's a, uh, it's like I said, we're, we're in uncharted territory uh, with everything. Movies uh, are now delaying uh, stuff for TV series. They're kind of up in the air. But from a composing standpoint, though, from the music, I guess I don't want to say you've got a an easier end, but you don't have to worry about story continuity per se or things like that that pertain to how season two is going to shake out. I'm assuming they will just bring you in and say, great job on season one of Tales from the Loop, Paul. Let's do it again for season two. And you're set. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I love the fact that you qualify that with I'm not going to say it's easy, but <laughs> I, I always remember what, one of the first things, one of the first gigs that I ever did years ago. And the person, con, the person in contract said, you're, you're charging how much? I mean, I can play a triangle. And I was like, oh, it's aside, you know, it, it, it takes it nicely on to Tales from the Loop because some of the instrumentation on it, uh, I ended up playing recorder on some of it, which sounds very bizarre because a lot of people go, well, you know, I played the recorder as a child. I, I did actually play it seriously um, and did a diploma on it and stuff and played played the Brandenburg concertos. But it's, one of the things that we wanted to do, Philip and I on this, was create a sound technique. And so we had lots of strange instruments on it, but also with Tales in the Loop, trying to sort of a sound for it, a motif. What is the most basic sound that you could create? Because Tales in the Loop, for those of you that haven't seen it, which is pretty much the entire stuff, out this weird and wacky town where lots of mysteries happen or i'd say lots of haunting things happen and it's not scary but it's just kind of strange thing that happened and it's this thing called the eclipse which is underneath the main town but it's not full of technology it's not a sci-fi thing like 
at a Star Trek or something. It's just a kind of very ancient thing, I think. So, yeah, so it was trying to come up with the sound. And I, I ended up saying to Philip, I was like, well, how about the travelers and started? I'm like, God, this is great. So, um, so, so yeah, so I wasn't playing the triangle, but I have been playing the recorder. And it's got to be fun coming up with unique sounds every time because you've worked on so many TV series and film and uh, all the way to video games, documentaries. It's got to be very fun and challenging coming up with a new sound to fit a new story, a new genre. That's got to be very exciting as a composer. Yeah, I mean, the blank slate thing at the beginning when you're watching the first episode, like, oh my God, what am I going to come up with? Um, But it's also the most exciting because then you can really go to town and try and work out what the sound of the show is or what the sound of the film is or what the to experiment with sounds, I guess. And because it really is a blank canvas. They've come to you because you're good and they like your stuff or whatever. Um, and then you get going. And obviously with the wonderful Philip Glass, it has a very unique sound. So you've already got that in mind when we're doing that. So that's all the piano sorted uh, and his beautiful orchestra. But really it was trying to take that and go, okay, well, what are we going to do with this? It's going to make it unique. And it's a weird and wacky instruments. So we had a lithophone, which we built from scratch, which is basically like a, a vibraphone or a glockenspiel or sizes and hitting them with a mallet. So they, they sound at different pitches. We're kind of, well, that's quite cool. You know, that's kind of like caveman playing something. And have you worked with Philip before? Uh, have you worked on other projects with him or is this a new duo for the two of you? Yeah, we, we know each other. Not brilliantly. We've met each other a few times before. And a couple of projects have been in the offing, which has never quite come together. And this was the first one. It was quite cool. Mark, uh, Mark, the director, had just about worked with him on a project a few years ago, which didn't quite come off. So he was very keen to use Philip. Philip's incredibly busy and also never done TV series before. And then I think the guys at Fox, he, he knows Philip and obviously he's done lots of stuff. And Mark was like, Paul Anna Morgan, or he did the soundtrack to Wormwood, which is an Errol Morris thing. Of course, Synchronicity is, would have it. There's Philip who scored all of Errol Morris's previous stuff. And then I've done, they've actually worked together before, but they worked with the same director and they've got similar sensibilities when it comes to classical style. But let's, let's chuck them together and see what happens. You said you'd you know, known Philip is it something a collaboration is it do you find those easier to do than working on your own because you've got another head to put together on the project or a lot of a lot of people like i like my own space my solo i know what i kind of want to do or is it a little more stressful having to work with someone we're gonna pause we're gonna come back and find out how paul leonard morgan feels about collaborations with other composers right after this message stand by This is Shin Han from Ghost in the Shell, and you're listening to Geek to Me Radio. And we're back chatting in the back half of the hour here with Paul Leonard Morgan, composer extraordinaire, talking about his work on Tales from the Loop, the new series on Amazon Prime. It's been out for about a month now, I guess. Uh, very interesting series and paul Leonard morgan scored the thing with uh philip glass they talked about their collaboration before we, we took our first break we'd asked paul about how he feels about collaborating versus working solo as a composer i'd like to see you in lockdown i like my own space i've also got my family <laughs> in the house but i like my own space. <laughs> um, i've bizarrely enough i've i've, I've never cl- i've produced a lot of bands before but i've never collaborated with a composer 
uh, on a soundtrack. So it was quite an eye-opener for me, and I was a little bit apprehensive. And Philip said, oh, I've collaborated with lots of people. It's fine. We just kind of do our own thing, and we just you know, play together and see what happens. And it really did just turn out a really organic process. Philip would write some tunes. I would write some tunes. I would email them over to him, which still blows my mind um, from me. But yeah, and then he's listening to my tunes. I'm listening to his. He's changing my melodies and chords. I'm changing his. And we we were just working totally in tandem. And it's, I think, in the same way that you have great collaborations with directors, that was this wonderful collaboration. Same. It was like, look, I love that melody. Why don't you try shaping it? That would work great on this instrument. I'd be phoning him up and saying... I can't think of an instrument which is going to be suitable for this because it's too normal like this or like this. And he was like, oh, well, you should try this or try this. So um, it really was. It was just lots of chats and lots of sending stuff back and forth. And you mentioned you guys basically built an instrument. Uh, was this something there wasn't a sound for what the two of you wanted to do? Or was this just something It's like, hey, I've always kind of wanted to try making something. So what, where, where did the genesis of that come from? When we've been speaking with Mark about the sound of the show and what we wanted to do we were very clear that we wanted it to be a soundtrack which didn't sound like any other and we wanted it to be full of first things like a lot of soundtracks that you get these days and it's not a diss on anybody because they work beautifully but there's not an awful lot of room in your ability to write some uh, to write a lot of melodies because there's no space there's just so much dialogue the thing about tales from the loop is there's just so much space the pace of it is beautiful there are like eight pieces of art um this series so so much space for music and it works just as well as a standalone listening thing which is what we wanted to do so that you can listen wow this is just beautiful there are pieces that are five six minutes long um so that was the first and foremost and then we're like okay well and the sound well, it's not about technology, so it's not going to be an electronic soundtrack. It's going to be real instruments, and the instruments do weird things. So then, life isn't about technology; it's just about this strange hauntingness about it, mysterious. I think it's probably a better word. The lie phone. It got me thinking about well, years ago. When I say years, I mean thousands of years ago, tens of thousands of years ago, when there were no instruments. What would you do? I'm sure there are a couple of instruments around, but what would you do? And you, you are literally just hitting things. And so, a lie. I mean, lie phones exist, and they are basically obviously made beautifully and there are sample libraries out there where you can get that kind of thing but i'm not a big fan for something like this to be using real instruments let's do it so yeah so we made one uh and literally you know out in the garden got a load of stones put them all together wrapped them up so they vibrate and you're getting different sized stones and hitting them and then i i created a sample library out of that and then we started playing with that so it's a, it's a pretty unique sound and when you're working on a project like and you've done so many different like we mentioned the tv you've done dynasty designated survivor uh, the series Limitless, and also the film Limitless, the film Dread. You've worked on video games, documentaries. When you approach a project, if you if someone comes to you and says, Paul, uh, we have a TV show, or Paul, we've got a, a video game, what kind of research do you do before you begin a project based on the style, the genre, in order to kind of know what sound is going to fit best? It depends. I mean, for me, I'm different from other composers, so it's obviously going to be different question and you'll get different answers depending on who you're speaking to for me i don't do that much research uh which is <laughs> i don't know if that's good or bad <laughs> but i kind of just start 
I've got t- tons of analog synths in my work with bands. So, for example, Cyberpunk, which is a game I'm on at the moment, they, I've spoken to them, two fantastic composers in Warsaw, who I'm working with on that. So that was my second collaboration. Uh, and they're very electronic. They said, well, we like your stuff for Dread. So I was like, okay, well, that's cool. You know, it gives me a starting point. And then we, we just start talking about it. And it's the same if you're working on a film, you chat away to a director and you talk about, well, what's the vision that we're trying to create here? What's the sound? And I don't necessarily mean what melodies we're trying to create. So is it futuristic? Is it, you know, should this be set in 2050 or 2000 or 2020? Should these analog synths sound like things that people have heard before or not? Should it be have a touch of Blade Runner without being too Blade Runner? All of those things you have those conversations to begin with. And then I literally just chuck myself in the studio, whether it's on my grand piano or whether I you know, say on my synths or playing some violins or whatever. I just start mucking around with sounds. And it's very easy just with sample libraries these days that you just hit the first note that comes out on the first sound that's there and go, oh, that's lovely. That sounds like strings. And I think that's really dangerous because then you're just in a computer and it's automatically sounding good. Whereas if you go and start playing instruments, it doesn't matter how badly, it really starts giving you a vibe for something. So I think that's that's my first port of call is I watch the film a couple of times, then just switch it off and then just start experimenting with all the stuff that's in my studio. You've been doing this uh, since 1997, all the composing for the different projects and everything like that. When someone's been doing this for a while, you've got an established sound. People know you now from your work. Do I, I know how it works with actors. They audition for certain parts or a director says, you know what? I have this uh, movie and I know I want Hugh Jackman for this role. Do you, as a composer, do people approach you and say, hey, we'd really love to have you on this? Like they mentioned, we, they loved what you did with Dread. Or does a composer still audition for things? How does it work for you when you get jobs like Tales from the Loop? Because you say, oh, you've got this, you've got this sound, this established sound. And I was trained classically at the Royal Scottish Academy of Music and Drama. They, they call it the Conservatoire now. Uh, but I, I, and then I happened to get into working with some bands. Uh, I was doing string arrangements with a fantastic producer called Tony Dugan in Glasgow. Oh, wow. So I was working with bands like Simple Minds or Mogwai, just some stuff. I ended up then working, when I came over here, I was working with bands like No Doubt. Um, and it's just, you know, I've, so I suddenly done this electronic style. And I was like, well, there's no reason why you can't have electronica and orchestra working at the same time. And I kind of got known as the electronic guy. Uh, so there's Limitless and there's Dread and it's quite hard, hardcore stuff and post-industrial. And then suddenly, I think it was Errol Morris had heard a couple of my tracks and said, I, I really like them. And would you be interested in collaborating on a little film? So, so like, You're Errol Morris, of course I'd be. Um, and I did something with him and then it, often it was quite classical and I did something else. And again, I've always written that kind of stuff. It's just that people aren't necessarily aware of it. So suddenly, by working with Errol, and then I did this thing called Wormwood with him and then American Dharma. But Wormwood was just in the industry, got to hear that. And so, oh my God, that's beautiful. Come and do that for us. And then I became the classical thing you're doing on Cyberpunk. So it's really funny. I'm always keeping those things going on in the background. So it was so lovely because doing this beautiful orchestra stuff with Philip and at the same time doing this hardcore electronic mishmash hybrid with a few real instruments over the top for cyberpunk. So it, it was quite a varied year creatively. I guess that's actually the best world then. If you're, if you're doing a lot of different things, you're still creative and you're kind of hitting a lot of boxes. You're checking a lot of things like I'm kind of doing this, a little bit of this. As a creative person, as most composers are, that's got to make it, uh, I guess, work a lot less monotonous. 
and we'll take our next break. Come right back. Chatting a little bit more with Paul Leonard Morgan. Stand by. Hi, this is Michelle Nichols, and you're listening to Geek to Me Radio. We're back. Chatting the rest of the hour here with Paul Leonard Morgan, all about his work on composing the music for Tales from the Loop on Amazon Prime. Before we left for our last break, we asked him about feeling creatively fulfilled. <laughs> yeah, it's such a, I, don't, I was speaking to someone the other day. It's like, man, you work crazy hours. And I was like, yeah, but it's not really work, is it? I mean, it is, obviously, clearly, but it's not because you're just getting to do your passion. You're in your studio till whatever time, you're working away. And you're writing music and you're getting to try out different sounds. And I think I'll get bored if I was always doing the same thing. That's why I like doing films and TV series and theatre and games and bands. And I'm just I'm, I'm writing a symphony at the moment, uh, which is getting premiered hopefully this summer, as long as coronavirus buggers off. Um, and I just like doing different stuff. It's, it's an escapism, isn't it, music? And the same with Tales of the Loop. Tales of the Loop was this wonderful escapism because it's not just coming back to it for the sake of it. But it's like you look at this. And it's eight hours of being taken away from all the shit that's going on. Excuse my French, but all the shit that's going on in, in, in the world at the moment. And I think everybody needs a bit of that because, God, you know, you're going to switch on your phone the next day or look, look at it later on. Exactly the same thing is happening. It's just incessant news coming at you. And the lovely thing about Tales in the Loop is it's just a, it's a tale of humanity. It's about how people in a town, what they do affects each other. Just one person affects another person, affects another person. And it's, it's, it's kind of appropriate it coming out at the moment with everything that's going on. It's about getting connectivity back. And uh, that's something we're all looking forward to, hopefully, in the next, in the next 30 days yeah. or so, getting connectivity back. Uh, Tales from the Loop, again, a new sci-fi series on Amazon April 3rd, uh, we're talking with Paul Leonard Morgan, the composer. Let everybody know where they can find you online, a website, social media, things like that. Uh, they can find me on Facebook at Paul Leonard Morg, because Facebook can't take the number of letters in my name. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> uh, you can find me on Instagram, Paul Leonard Morgan, Twitter, Paul Leonard Morgan, it's something like that. Paul Leonard Morgan, Paul Leonard Morgan, but you can find me there, one of, one of those long names. But yeah, and I'm always around on Twitter looking to procrastinate in the middle of the night. So it, it's opened up a whole new world to the, the way that I'm going to be recording in the future as well, I think, finding, finding new soloists online. That's incredible. You can have a, literally an international audience at your fingertips uh, sending you stuff from all over the world technology i mean especially in the situation we're in right now where everyone's in lockdown thank goodness for the technology like that that's in place uh that some things can keep moving forward but what an amazing time especially to be doing what you're doing like you said you've got people from all these different cities sending you clips it's it's amazing yeah i mean it's definitely it's harder work because they send it to you normally if you're in a recording studio with musicians you're kind of going yeah i can hear that's out of tune or that's out of time that bit's great so we're going to keep that do that do that do that uh, whereas when they're sending you stuff, you've then got to listen to it. And instead of it being an ensemble of, say, 10 players in your studio, you're suddenly listening to 10 different parts and getting back to them and trying to blend it all together. So it's definitely harder. But at the same time, yeah, Brave New World. I mean, it's, it's incredible what you can do. Exactly. Yeah, that's uh, I'm very excited because just from uh, the music standpoint, the artistic standpoint, the look of this, I think Tales from the Loop, I think it's going to be amazing. And I'm, uh, I assume we maybe if it if it does really well, obviously... 
sequels. Uh, there's always a season two, a season three to be had uh, whenever something like this is a successful project, like I'm sure Tales from the Loop will be. God, I mean, I would absolutely love, I loved seeing a writer and showrunner. It's, it's, again, it's very rare that you work on projects like this where I was working on that for about nine months and animations can take up to three years when you're working on it and games can take up three years, but TV series, you know, films maybe take two, three months most of the time. TV series, you never have that sense of family, which we had on this. It was such a close knit small team. And at the end of it, I was like, I just want to do this forever. This has just been amazing. It's just a creative buzz. And I know Simon's got another book, Tales from the Flood, so maybe we can do a series on that as well. But it, it really is, when you see this, I, I go back to it, it's not scary sci-fi. It's just beautiful sci-fi told. And it's got a real feel-good factor to it, which is a weird thing to say about, without giving the game away, various things happen. But there's a real sense of optimism and it, without sounding totally arty, an optimism for, for humanity, it always sounds really pretentious. But yeah, it's very easy to get down at the moment with everything that's going on and you're just all consumed by news and everything that's happening. Getting to write happy soundtracks with a bit of melancholy in it doesn't happen that often because normally it's thrillers or people getting shot or you're kind of going, yeah, I feel good about life. It was, yeah, it, it was a great thing for the soul to be working on this. So perfect timing for you to be working on it and perfect timing for us to be seen it again tales from the loop on amazon as of april 3rd paul leonard morgan this has been great thanks so much for your time hopefully we can have you back on when you're doing the music for season two and uh continued success to you listen thanks so much and stay safe man all right you too that's gonna wrap up the show my thanks once again to my guest vita ayala make sure you check out their work on serialbox.com the brand new series jessica jones playing with fire and of course Paul Leonard Morgan, you can check out Tales from the Loop on Amazon Prime. And of course, the soundtrack for Tales from the Loop is available on Spotify, iTunes, etc. So make sure you check that out. Uh, Very haunting, elegant music uh, from Paul Leonard Morgan on that. That's going to do it. So until next week, my friends. It's not in the way you watch I sound be. It's not in the way you watch the flash. It's not in the Hell's Kitchen, good night. Hi, this is James Enstall, host of Geek Me Radio, and in honor of my favorite Themyserian, I've decided to become an Amazon warrior. Howard, give me strength. The next time you want to buy something from Amazon, go to geektomeradio.com first and click on our Amazon affiliate link. Simply shop like you normally would, and when you check out, a small percentage will go towards supporting the show. So remember, the next time you want to search Amazon for the latest Wonder Woman graphic novel or parts for your invisible jet... Click through from geek 2 me radio.com first. The world was in peril. Would you have me stand by and do nothing?